Welcome to TrackCast, the official podcast of the Real Estate Council from deep in the heart of Dallas, Texas. I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for joining us for another installment of our CRE Executive Roundtable. Today we are focusing on the tenant experience and how it has evolved throughout the pandemic. Our first guest is Lindsay Wilson of Corgan, who talks to the group about how their clients are rethinking their office needs in our new post-COVID world. We're also joined later on by Gaston Cerrito of J.P. Morgan Chase, who discusses how the company has maintained its Plano site throughout the pandemic and explains the strategies it has employed in returning to work across the globe. These episodes have been incredible all year. The meeting started out as a way for some of our board members, who are among the most prominent commercial real estate executives in North Texas, to get together to talk about how their businesses have adjusted to the pandemic. And we really appreciate their time and their insight and for giving us the opportunity to share that insight with all of you. I'd like to thank our former chairman, Cauley Partners CEO, Bill Cauley, for leading these conversations all year, as well as some of the guest speakers that we've had and all of the other executives who joined these calls and participated. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. You'll get content just like this, including each of our previous CEO discussions, plus event replays and special guest interviews right to your mobile device. You can also find us on social media. We've got links to all of our handles in the show notes, so when you're finished listening to today's episode, go give us a follow if you haven't already. Now, here's our latest CRE Executive Roundtable featuring Lindsay Wilson of Corgan and Gaston Cerrito of J.P. Morgan Chase right here on TrackCast. Lindsay Wilson is, you know, if not the best, top, top tier, definitely planner in, in Dallas or maybe in, in the country. I mean, I know um, I've had the pleasure of working with her and um, she's kind of in a in class of her own opinion. I think she's creative and, and uh, attentive to what the client wants. And I've just been always so impressed. And, you know, we're all sitting here talking about uh, what people, what users are changing, what's going on, you know, and Lindsay, what we started these calls because we kind of wanted information, right? With this COVID shutting everything down, we're all sitting here in the real estate business trying to figure out what our next step should be. So kind of give me some idea of what kind of changes in the workplace or new space types or policies you're seeing from your customers. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. This is a great group you have assembled. So hoping for a fun dialogue this morning. You know, the, the, when you and I were talking, the number one question people ask me right now is what is everybody else doing? Um, right. I think from that aspect, it's pretty interesting. We've had a, a ton of clients over the years who started projects with incredibly clear visions of exactly what they wanted, what they wanted to accomplish with their headquarters, their workspace. And now we're starting projects with people going, okay, what should we, what should we be talking about? What should we be asking? What are other people doing? So, so that's, that's pretty, pretty different. So we no confidence seeing, in what they should be doing? Um, very different. I mean, nothing's across the board, right? So I'll, yeah. I can make some generalizations. There are certainly, yeah. um, there are certainly some high growth, growth clients. We, we interviewed for a headquarters project last week. Uh, for a high growth company that hasn't been impacted and they know exactly what they want to do. So that was kind of refreshing. Uh Um, We've we've picked back up a couple of our headquarters projects that were in the market last year. um, Mm -hmm. And they are, we are completely reevaluating their needs again. So starting back over again with the kind of discovery and programming process to see if they still need to be the same size. And to your question about new space types, I think for the companies that even have a portion of their workforce back at work, they are seeing how this move to even hybrid or completely virtual collaboration is that will stay around. I think most of our clients believe it will take a long time before we are, if ever, we are traveling, you know, for a single meeting that some of the things that we were doing in person, perhaps we can do meetings virtually and move projects along even faster. 
it's not a substitute for the collaborative part of the process or the innovative part of the process, but as far as like kind of weekly meetings. So we are seeing demand for, you know, better video conference rooms, multi-camera, multi-screen, so that you can truly collaborate. We're seeing, you know, the rise of the Zoom room uh, because, the open workplace isn't going away, and I'm sure somebody's going to ask that, but it's super annoying to sit next to somebody who's on a Zoom call all day long, and you're trying to, to get some heads down work done. Um, and then as far as new space types, to close out that question, outdoor space. I think during COVID, the outdoors has kind of become synonymous with, you know, being safe, being able to take your mask off. And so we are seeing investment um, both in 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 existing buildings kind of investing in outdoor space and projects that we were working on kind of adding or amplifying the outdoor space opportunities okay and let me ask you a question on the zoom room yes. so are you putting multiple places or areas where people can go from their cube to have zoom calls like yes Yes, so in some cases we're just outfitting. So we had already seen, and everybody on this call knows, we had seen an acceleration of kind of phone rooms. As the office went more open, right. there were private rooms. Well, most of those were assuming that people would just take their laptop in. Now we're going back and retrofitting those with a monitor on the wall, a better camera, so you can have a higher quality experience, better lighting. You know, there's this really interesting idea. A lot of the tech companies will talk about it, and that's equality on screen. And so if somebody has a really terrible setup, we've all been on these calls where, like, the sunlight's coming in behind them. You can't even yeah. see their face. They have bad Wi-Fi. Well, now they're not participating in the meeting to the same level as everybody else. So that having good lighting, good connection, good camera has kind of become an important thing to, comp to certain companies. And I'm going to ask one last question on this Zoom yeah, thing. I think, like on a 100,000 foot user, how many Zoom rooms would, I mean, how do you determine how many, are you just taking the old call, uh, small conference rooms and just equipping them so they can be Zoom rooms? Is that what you're doing? So in some existing projects, yes, we're just equipping okay. them. But you okay. just scratched the surface of like probably the most interesting question. And that is, so we've developed... Uh, another tool, so programming, everybody knows what programming is. That's when yeah. we sit down, right? And we say, what departments, how many people, what spaces do you have? Do you have any specialty spaces? Well, there used to be a, a place on our, in our format where we said, do you have any remote employees? Yes or no? And people would tell yes or no. If you said yes, we would say, do you give them a place to sit in your facility? Yes or no? And if they said no, we never thought about those people again. They were not a factor in our space planning. Well, right. now that answer is, well, yes, we have remote people, but when are we going to want them to come in? How often are they going to be coming in? Is that based on the team they work on or is that an individual decision? And so that new, we're calling it a new category of worker or a new worker persona, which is the, the fluid worker. And those are the people who are going to need, well, first of all, companies and leaders are going to want them to spend some time in the facility. They're going to need to for team-based work, collaborative work, innovation-based work. But figuring out how much that is and what type of spaces they will need, that's a bit of the name of the game right now. And so we are piloting some new tools to help with that more detailed programming. <clears throat> Lindsay, are you seeing a lot of that? Yeah. Uh, are you seeing it a, a lot in your, your WeWork and Common Desk and those areas where they're reconfiguring for a lot of their users to have these Zoom rooms, et cetera? We are seeing, so it was already an interesting, I think, finding for a lot of the co-working firms that their private offices were much more in demand than the open seating, right? So they were all um, selling out and doing better on their memberships where people had access to private offices. So I think that will continue, that the more successful kind of co-working options um, are reliant on some amount of private space, whether it's for virtual collaboration 
or just people having their own space. Uh, we work uh, with the guys at Very and have worked on the two Vera space projects, Las Colinas and South Lake. And I think that idea of people getting their own suite, but then they have all these shared amenities. I mean, so far it has proven, proven a good model uh, for them anyway. So well, other than, uh, other than uh, you know, trying to keep it COVID free, could this be uh, another new amenity for office buildings is to have high-tech Zoom rooms where you can have meetings, et cetera, like that? Yeah, I think tenant amenities is a, a very interesting conversation right now because we are seeing, you know, a little less focus on using a shared conference room, but how long is that going to, I mean, that's what we all want to know, right? When do we go back to normal and right. what what does that look like? What will have changed about what people want to share? Um, so I think because most of the Zoom calls, I think most of those rooms, and they're not that big, you're going to see people wanting to plan those into their own spaces. And, and Bill, your question had been about what's the ratio. So, so figuring out, once we're past people being afraid of being in the office because of health and wellness and, and transmission of the virus, I think we're going to see a lot of desk sharing in the future. And so the trade-off of all these different types of spaces is going to be that some percentage, 10 to 20%, I think in this market is what's going to be more the norm, um, not 50 and above. Um, that is the square footage that will then be repurposed in these virtual collaboration rooms, project team rooms, where people will come in to work on a specific project, and these more individual-based uh, virtual collaboration rooms. Does okay, that make so sense? Let me, let me make sure I got this. So you're saying yeah. that there's going to be shared work surfaces instead of somebody having their own cube to come to every day. So, and that's going to open up 10 to 20% that you can then repurpose. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, so the magic question has been, do I think overall people's, you know, space, their portfolios will get bigger or smaller? And once again, in this round of workplace transformation, I think the answer overwhelmingly is going to be they stay about the same size. But again, we repurpose. So, so this is just continuing on this trajectory, in my opinion, that we were already on. But I think COVID accelerates it, right? For years, right. we've been shifting square footage. It used to be the vast majority of square footage in a workplace was dedicated to individual workspace, offices, workstations, et cetera. Right. We have been shifting that to a 50-50 split and beyond with more and more collaborative space, social space, shared space, amenity space. I think we just keep going past the 50-50 mark where more than half, what just happened? Did I lose you? No, we're here. That we're was weird. Oh, we're here. Yeah, we're good. Hey, Lindsay. That means it was a really good thought that I- No, I mean, finish it, because I think that's a good one. <laughs> that more than half of the square footage in a, in a workspace, especially a headquarters workspace, is gonna shift to collaborative slash share, wow. with the big old asterisk that that's once we're past you know, people being worried right. about contracting the virus in their workplace. Yeah, can Mike. I a, can I ask a follow-up question on that? But before sure. I do, you referred to Jason and the Vera guys. Mm -hmm. I just like to assert that they have a, mon a maniacal um, idea of taking over the galaxy. So we all. I didn't know he was on this call. So we all yes. play. We all just play nice with them. But not only are they creating flexible workspace and movable, they're actually starting to manufacture people also. So yeah. you just have to be careful with, with Jason and his team. Um, here's my question for you on the serious side. This go back maybe 10 years, and there was a lot of conversation about hoteling. And to a degree, you're kind of talking about hoteling 2.0. Can you compare hoteling 1.0 10 years ago to what you're thinking hoteling 2.0 is as it relates to workspace? Yes. In my opinion, hoteling 1.0 was purely motivated by reduction of square footage, reduction of total portfolio. So we are going to, we know our space isn't utilized. We walk around. We, this is what everybody would tell you, right? We see 
the office is, you know, 30% empty every single day. We're going to capture that by oversubscribing and having people reserve desks. And predominantly when it all came out in the wash, it was professional service consulting firm that kind of went with that model and stuck with it because their people truly were out in the field and working. In my opinion, this 2.0 version, and I, and I think you're exactly right the way you captured that, this is, true, this is truly recognizing flexible work as part of the overall kind of ethos of corporate America, if you will, that not every single person's job requires that they be here, but their job requires certain tools and amenities that we have in the workplace. So there still may be 200 square feet allocated per worker, per Lindsay in this space, but, but that may be predominantly in the project room where I spend most of my time not in the workspace. So to me, the 2.0 version is truly aligning the space with the work, not just trying to get the waste out. Is that, is that fair? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very clear. Okay, so tell me what COVID, you know, has accelerated or, or other, any other additional things you're seeing because of COVID? So the health and wellness in the workplace was already a hot topic and, and some companies were leading the way more than others. So we absolutely believe that falls in the acceleration category. Um, we are seeing more and more of our clients, there are two um, kind of wellness in the workplace certification programs. One is well, which is much more aligned with lead. Um, and the other one is FitWell, which came out of the CDC and, and the government to, and started in some government buildings in DC. FitWell is much less rigorous, more easy to achieve, but still allows um, employers to really communicate to their employees some of the aspects of the workplace that contribute to health and wellness air quality, natural light, um, ability to, to move around, change your posture, the type of food that's served, things like that, as well as HR policy. You know, do, they, do you provide um, a stipend for uh, member, uh, health club membership, things like that. Mm -hmm. So we have seen a lot more interest and people not just interested, but going ahead and doing that. Um, the Independent Financial Campus up in McKinney, we're doing FitWell. Our Peloton project, we're doing FitWell. And we're also looking at their New York headquarters and doing FitWell on that one. In the city of Austin, we're doing some well-building projects. So health and wellness and how do you communicate about health, health and wellness in the workplace is one of the things that's been accelerated. So is that to give people confidence that they're safe at work? Or is that really trying to um instill healthy living uh, into 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 their workforce is it both so it it it's kind of both they certainly weren't they were both created both systems were created pre-covid um, it was more about one decision making during the design aspects of a project even even as early as site selection so there are points in both of those systems for walkability Right. Um, it's not make or break, but if you if your site is more walkable to other amenities and transportation, that is worth more points. Um, right. So just an overall, um, how does the workplace contribute to overall health and wellness? But it, okay. but I think it's of interest now because it's a vehicle to communicate to your employees about it because it's really hard, and it so that's put the spotlight on it because it's hard to say it's safe. What does that even mean? Right. Right. Okay. And so it's kind of like a designation like uh, lead platinum, etc. Right. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So what about um, what kind of fle the flexibility is people working from home a percentage of the time, etc. Right. So that hasn't changed. How about by market? What are you seeing by market? Are you like, is Dallas different than other cities? What do you see in that way? I, I'm sure lots of people on this call have opinions on that. I think Dallas is quite different, which probably surprises none of us that it's still, this market of all the cities that we're in across the country 
seems to already be more bullish about next year, about people getting back to the office, about just overall energy. Um, Austin, we've had good activity. Um, New York is still, at least for us, so sleepy. I mean, we're having a lot of meetings and talking to a lot of our same, you know, brokers and, and clients and connections up there, but nothing is happening. We're here, we're seeing flow again of proposals into our firm, of interviews. We've had two interviews a week for significant projects the past two weeks, and we have two more upcoming. We are not seeing that kind of activity um, in other cities. Well, and are most of those projects you're interviewing for new to the city, or is it a, a split between people already here that are addressing it, or what's your percentage on that? Would you say? More of the ones that we are seeing at the moment are people who are already in the Metroplex. Got it. Okay, and so you talk about, um, you know, we hear about people laying people, you know, uh, people downsizing, but what you're saying overall is, they're not, they're just reallocating their space. Are you seeing people laying people off or what are you seeing most people doing? In most of our active projects here, there, there have been reductions. Most of them were earlier in the pandemic and most of our clients at this point seem to be doing some reorganizing. But I mean, I have several different programs that we're working on right now that absolutely have growth planned in them for 21 and beyond. So office space, you bullish or you, I mean, or do we all need to start looking for work? I I have been so my uh, my trend line is also going up on how I feel about it. I will tell you about six weeks ago I was not feeling great, and when we were doing our projections for next year, um, I had everything really low in the first quarter. We right. um, so for Corgan Interiors, just just my Interiors group, in October and November we matched our new business number from February. Wow. Lindsay, can, I believe ask, it. can I ask you a little different question? Yeah. Sure. Um, so we're going through a uh, meta shift of long-term permanent employees. Colin owns a company, Colin has 100 employees, the average tenure is 10 or 15 years to a kind of consultant job or format economy. And we're probably in the nascent phase of that transition. How have the people you've been talking to, have they been addressing that openly with you? And how is that changing design at all if they have? So interesting question. And what comes to mind right off the bat to me so we saw, so we do a lot of headquarters projects, right? Of all different sizes from from a 5,000 square foot headquarters to, you know, the, the big ones. There has, was a rise consistently in the number of contract employees in those headquarters projects. And we, we uncovered it in several projects because the initial kind of headcount projections we would get from HR weren't aligning. And that's because HR would always give us the, the FTEs but you sometimes had to dig into the departments to find literally hundreds and hundreds, especially of IT contractors and consultants. Well, pre-COVID, most companies like Toyota included, State Farm included, would give a dedicate, would treat a contract employee exactly like an FTE from a facility standpoint. They would get a workstation, their own workstation, they were not sharing space, and so they were accounting for them in their real estate, just like their full-time employees. I am seeing at least conversations about, okay, do we really need to provide seats for all those contract employees that aren't full-time employees? And this idea, I've said it a couple times already, the project room, you know, the team room, um, think, you know, where we've always been putting kind of the auditors. So creating rooms where these projects take place and these folks camp out and when they need to come for a collaborative session, they come there, but otherwise they are in touchdown space in the facility. So I, I am hearing a lot of conversations about, you know, what do we really need to provide for our contract 
or consultant type workers. The interesting thing is there is this demarcation and we see it in our projects. We had obviously a whole bunch of projects that were well underway when the pandemic started. And so we had to address all of those, you know, what did people want to change? Most of the changes ended up being fairly minor. So I'll use Keurig Dr. Pepper as an example. We went in, we so the building was just being built. No interior work had been done yet. We widened some aisles. We eliminated about 5% of the workstations in, um, in the initial build out so that things could be spaced out. We, in, we added some more kind of touchless technology, uh, but fundamentally that project stayed the same, Peloton they added 10,000 square feet so that we could space a few things out in the training center, fundamentally stayed the same. Trinity Industries, fundamentally stayed the same. So those projects where people had to make those quick decisions, fundamentally stayed the same. Then there was a pause. And now we've got this whole new round of projects where I will say I am seeing people take more time in the front end of their projects, kind of phase one, to vet all these different options, get as far as we can into the pandemic response before they make a decision. That was a long answer to your question, but That's I think great, all That's great related. Information. Yeah, I, I wanna open, anybody have any questions for Lindsay? Anybody that hasn't spoke yet? Colin, no, go ahead. Hi, Lindsay. No questions from Colin Fitzgibbons, nope. <laughs> uh, it's good to see you, Lindsay. Uh, I feel like landlords have spent a lot of money to, uh, to fix up their lobby to, you know, create collisions and, and make it more hospitality focused and, you know, bumping into strangers. Now we don't want to bump into strangers. I'm just curious if you think that'll last or we'll go back, you know, same question that we had with all basically components of the building, but I'm asking specifically about the lobby here. I mean, I think, and I don't know, you know, it's one woman's opinion that, that three years from now, for the most part, we will be back to using our buildings and office spaces in the way we are today. With more, with more fluidity over what is the, is the business day. I mean, again, that's an accelerator. That was already happening. People were in and out of these facilities and the mobility that our phones gave us and our laptops gave us is that people were using their entire campuses more. So taking your laptop, the, the choosing variety of space. I am curious if people will, will place less value on these building amenities that I hope this isn't too controversial kind of have become or became a check the box thing. Like, is there a fitness center? And, and we would even have clients sit in the room with us and be like, I mean, we're never going to use it, but is there one, is there a building conference room, but we're still going to build, you know, a multi-purpose room for 200 with $300,000 worth of AV, you know, even though there's a room in the building and, and do we shift more to wanting to understand the, the HVAC, I think people are going to be asking questions about the HVAC system in buildings that they've never asked before, um, are how kind of deliveries are handled. You know, what we're not going back from is everybody having everything delivered to them. And some really big corporate users are kind of scared of every single, you know, Amazon package now showing up at their headquarters because you know, people have become so used to this and if they're not at work, you know, things might be delivered to the office. And so taking those lifestyle amenities, that's what we've been calling them, what everybody got accustomed to at home, Uber Eats, Amazon, you know, everything being delivered. How can a building or a campus kind of check off those, those convenience boxes for employees where the, work, the workplace can, can help you accomplish some of those things? That makes so much sense to me. Well, and, and a good example of that, uh, many of you know, living in an apartment because we lost our house to the tornado. And about three times a day, uh, we're at the McKinsey. I bet there's over a hundred packages show up. And, and so these multifamily towers, they're gonna have to 
accommodate, make room for being able to handle all that because everybody's having everything delivered. I cannot even tell you how much it pains me that at the, at, when we had more people back in our office before kind of the pre-Thanksgiving surge, we had about 200 people here every day. We have folding tables in our lobby, which hurts me dearly, um, for lunch deliveries with, a, with alphabetical, you know, little divisions yeah. because every day there was a hundred deliveries of lunch and that has got to be service. dealt with do you so have food service in your building no it's just us as it might be a leading indicator our last apartments that we built we used to receive about 20 packages a day and they would go to the management office last christmas in one day we had 275 packages in one day and that wasn't the big issue. The big issue that's been, to use your word, Lindsay, um, radically accelerated was the fact that we now have laundry lockers. We have food refrigerated lockers. We have lock lockers. We have package lockers. We have unpackaged lockers. We have extra staging for delivery trucks because the numbers so the sharing economy and the mobile economy and i think multifamily is going to be a leading indicator for where office is going with that because office is going to need to probably have the capacity to receive laundry food packages for the uh employees of the tenants but it wasn't just the number of packages in the lobby. That was the tip of the iceberg for us. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think if, if you fit, can figure out how to do it right, it will be seen as an amenity. Um, so if you, if, and then it will be seen. So, so how did the building conference room start? You know, it was a, a, a way for a tenant to need less, slightly less square footage, theoretically, in their suite because they could use this whiz-bang conference room in the building. Well, now, if I can avoid putting all the Uber Eats drop-off, everything Mike listed, the, the refrigerated ones, the lock ones, that square footage in my space and shift that responsibility to the building, you know, that's that same uh, square footage trade, potentially. Right. Okay, anybody else? Any other questions? What, just one quick question for my friends, Bill and Mike, that own all the property up and down the pole road. All those generic office buildings they built over the last 10 years, how do you retrofit those eight 10-story buildings to today's time when you have four plates and lobbies that are dated? Frank, coming in hot. I thought I'd entertain you guys a little bit as a, as a retailer has nothing else to do, you know? <laughs> Well, you know, in many ways, the, the, the lower rise buildings um, are easier to retrofit in some, in, from some aspects as far as being able to add outdoor amenities or bring in additional air if we need to do that or, you know, grab some space back. There's often ample amount of lease space on the first floor of the lower rise buildings. Um, higher rise buildings, the, the first floors tend to, to be more difficult to find space to turn into amenity space. And so sometimes you'll see, you know, a sky lobby floor, or a mid-level floor. Um, I do think lower rise, I think newer buildings and lower rise, um, at least for the moment, people associate new with clean and new with safe. Um, so I definitely think we are gonna see some upgrades. Some of it may be pretty superficial, just it's an emotional response to how you feel when you walk into a new space versus a space that is dark, may not feel as clean. I mean, I think we're kind of, we've got some some uh, post-traumatic stress that I, I do think we'll see show up in people's decision-making. Okay, anybody else? Lindsay, this was awesome. I really appreciate it. Uh, very informative. I've got like three pages of notes. You know, I, I, well, I tend to- Well, it's you know, one I person's wonder, opinion, but- No, I know, but I mean, I wonder about, you know, a common conference room. It was in buildings 
you know, are people going to want to go into that room, you know, and what you're saying is, is people see it as a plus, but yet they're still building out what they know they need within their space. So, yeah, you know, now, now more interconnected, you know, the outdoor spaces, I think people are going to prioritize. Yes, if there's an I outdoor agree. space we can use because that's right. where people want to have social functions again, they want to connect. And so if there's an outdoor opportunity to do that, I do yeah. think that is in the plus column of a facility. And can, can I get that food service? Nobody wants to deal with food service right now, right? If I can right. get that out of my space and there is an option for that in the building, I do yeah. think that amenity will still get really high, high marks. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks okay. everybody. Happy holidays. Yes. So everybody on the call, I've got, I've got requests and I've had, if I've had one, I've had 20 requests going, why don't you get a large corporate user on the call and get their view of how life is post-COVID? So <clears throat> Linda and her vast relationship network across the world has known Gaston, who is, um, with J.P. Morgan Chase and actually is overseeing, um, he lives in Plano and is overseeing the Plano campus there or more building. And Gaston, I appreciate you being on. And, um, you know, everybody kind of wants to know how, how users or a person in your position is actually looking at real estate post-COVID, right? So you, you and I talked pre-call about RTTPO return to the office. Tell me what kind of steps you're doing on, you know, when are you coming back to the office? What are you doing there? All right. So, well, uh, first of all, good morning. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, everybody. Uh, thanks for having me today. Um, and uh, I mean, the question, when are we coming back is the multi-billion dollar question. You know, if I knew that I'd be a very wealthy man, but uh, I mean, we, uh, the truth is, we don't know uh, at this point. We are tracking very closely. And as soon as we, you know, uh, think it's safe to do so, uh, we'll come back. Obviously, uh, there's a number of, uh, you know, teams throughout the globe, right, that have, that never left, right, that essential workers, they never left their offices. That percentage is somewhere between 5 to 10%, depends very much on the location and what, happens at that location, right? If it's an up center, if it's a processing center, if it's a, you know, front office location, et cetera. Uh, but we are tracking, you know, the metrics and the, uh, the medical data at this point uh, by market and by city. Um, and as soon as we, you know, feel it's safe to do so, we'll, we'll start coming back. Uh, but that will depend. I mean, we came back in many locations across Asia, uh, in APAC, we came back in many locations across EMEA, so Europe, you know, Middle East, etc. Some of those have been paused, some of those have been reversed as well, unfortunately. And we came back in some uh, some areas, the Americas in LATAM, as well as in the Northeast. Uh, some of those are also paused at this time because of the, again, the uh, the uh, projections and just the, the, the way that the, the virus has, you know, uh, moved around. My sense is, is that you're going to err on the side of caution than aggression is going is, back. It seems like big companies that maybe this is a bad analogy, but kind of want to lay up. They want to know that it's definitely safe to go back to work. We, yeah, we're definitely there. We're not going to, you know, put our employees, you know, safety or, or health, you know, on the line. Uh, and, and for those employees that, you know, <clears throat> had to remain, you know, coming to the office. And this is kind of back office employees as well as, you know, our employees at our branches. We've taken every precaution, you know, uh, to ensure that they are safe and they are, you know, or as safe as, as, as they can be uh, throughout. So we're not taking any, you know, any risks. Uh, we've been working on this, you know, remote kind of hybrid, um, uh, you know, way for many, many months now. and. Uh, keep doing so until you know until we find it you know uh safe to come back so have you developed kind of uh have you developed a policy are you beginning to look at um what your approach is going to be once someone is vaccinated will you require them to return or what will your stance be at that point 
that, that there's been some discussions on that level, vaccinations, et cetera, but that has not been, there is no policy yet that's being looked at as well as, you know, are we going to try to provide, you know, vaccines to our employees and how would we go through that, et cetera, et cetera. But that's still kind of out there, uh, hasn't been decided, not, you know, not yet. Hmm? So tell me what kind of steps you're taking to prepare your work, your, your office space for them to return. So we so we've done we've done a, a, a number a number of things. Uh, I would say you know, just when COVID hit, uh, we obviously um, you know kind of focused on cleaning and disinfection, right? We kind of cleaned and depersonalized most of our spaces just to ensure that that disinfection can occur you know uh, quickly and efficiently. Uh, we've added a lot of signage, not just, you know, kind of the usual wash your, you know, wash your hands and social distancing signage. We also added uh, paths of travel signage to our, to our locations. We kind of also kind of, we went to ensure social distancing. Uh, we marked our desks, you know, red and green, you know, kind of checkerboard pattern to ensure that social distancing's out there, you know, and, and, and it's safe to do so. Uh, PP, you know, hand sanitizer, you know, all of that, you know, is, is, uh, is um, across all of our locations. Um, Lindsay actually mentioned HVAC. So we've actually uh, upgraded our, our uh, you know, our systems, uh, you know, changed to filters, you know, 13, MERV 13 and upwards, you know, as, as you know, or similar all, all over the place. Uh, where that couldn't happen, we've added some air scrubbers and, and, and stuff of that nature because maybe the, you know, the air conditioning system present at the location wouldn't allow, you know, certain, right. you know, filters, et cetera, et cetera. So all of that we've, uh, we've done across the board. We've been ready, you know, for our employees to come back, you know, for months now. I would say, you know, sometime in, you know, middle of the summer or so. And basically right now, we're only waiting for two things to happen in each market, right? One is government, you know, government policy, government, any restrictions out there. That's obviously, that's a big, big uh, um, thing that we're looking at. Uh, and the other one's the, just the, the, the health situation, right? Uh, how, what's the number of uh, cases per 100,000 in a certain market? What's the hospital, you know, bed availability? What's the uh, positivity rate of, of testing? Uh, what's the, you know, the trending as well. So we got a number of um, uh, metrics that are being uh, tracked by our, you know, intelligence team, global security intelligence team per market. It's very kind of detailed. And, uh, and as soon as, you know, we hit the right, uh, the right um, uh, numbers and all those metrics, then, you know, we'll start to come back. Obviously that comeback will be staged and phased and, you know, uh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, not not all of a sudden by any means, uh, but we're we're kind of eager <laughs> across right. the board to come back. But we will not do so until you know safe. So you have a large present in, a presence in legacy. You're yes. you know currently expanding your campus. So what changes are you making post COVID in how you will use the current and new office space? Are you, I mean, are you changing anything in the building that's there versus the new building? And if you are, what are you doing? Are you sent, are people working from home more than in work? Kind of give us mm -hmm. a view of how you're looking at life today. So yes, we are, we are expanding, a, you know, campus, you know, it's about a million square feet or so. Uh, we're, uh, we're building a new building uh, there that will add another half a million or so square feet to, uh, to our campus. Um, we, you know, we were already under construction when COVID hit. And thankfully, we were, you know, we're able to keep going throughout. Uh, so, so we've been, we've been, uh, uh, you know, very thankful for that. It's we haven't had, you know, uh, any glitches there. We're going to be delivering, uh, you know, on time, etc. Um, so, as far as there's no wholesale, I would say there's no wholesale changes to our design between what we were thinking we would do, like pre-COVID versus what's going to be delivered you know, around the first quarter of next year. There are some things in the margins. Uh, some of those uh, I heard Lindsay, you know, call out like, you know, wave actuators to, you know, to exit or just ensuring that the materials that we're using for the, you know, the fabrics and the desks are, you know, are, are clean, you know, the chemicals, they will resist, you know, those chemicals right. uh, well. Uh, there's some, 
you know, some owls are getting widened a bit, uh, you know, between spines in, in, in the open space. Uh, but, uh, but we're trying to keep it as flexible as possible uh, throughout, uh, just to be able to, uh, to uh, you know, to react to any changes in the future. But I would say we have not made any, you know, major design uh, uh, changes, just, just trying to keep it flexible right all of the av is kind of self-standing all of the you know the desks themselves the individual desks are are, are not you know um uh, married to the spine you can you can move them around you can you can you know if you want to take a couple and and spread them out and stuff like that uh but nothing nothing uh you know uh major major does each employee have his own desk are you doing desk sharing and if you are doing that i mean how how do you do that so we've been we've been doing uh, desk sharing, hoteling. You know, we we called it we call we used to call it choice seating uh, yeah. for for a long long time. Um, it's it's nothing new, and and that was also part of you know just using Lindsay words to to uh, what was it uh, get the waste out. You know that 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 you know usual vacancy of people traveling, people sick, people visiting clients, right. whatever, just to try to uh, utilize our space. Uh, you know, more efficiently. That's been out for, for a long, long time. We are planning to keep doing that. It's, it's now, it's a, it's a 2.0, right? We're calling it unassigned seating. And it's, um, and it's definitely in our, in our plans to continue to do so and even go a little bit, you know, further, not just, you know, taking advantage of that, I would say, uh, natural vacancy, right, of a 20 or whatever percent, obviously depends on what you do there, what kind of, you know, teams work in that, you know, certain location, uh, but also trying to take into consideration that remote aspect, remote, remote working aspect that, you know, we've been, we've been talking about, you know, for the first part of the, uh, for the first part of the meeting. So, so obviously uh, there will be a percentage of our, uh, workforce that will work from home. I think the permanent work from home is going to be a tiny percentage, but then there's going to be a higher percentage, maybe it's 20, maybe it's, you know, whatever, 15%. It will depend really on the team we're talking about, right? Are they front office teams? Are they sales and trading? Are they, you know, kind of operations yeah. or call center? It will depend uh, very much on on the type of uh, on the line of business and the team within the line of business what they do, but there will be a percentage um, of remote working. Maybe it's a couple okay. of days a week. Maybe it's a week every other week. Mm -hmm. And is the remote working post COVID decision, or were you doing that before? We were we were doing it a little bit before. I think post COVID we're going to do it a lot more, right? Yeah, because uh, just because it's been proven that, you know, uh, you know, we've been working from home, a big, you know, percentage of us have been working from home for many, many months and nothing's, you know, nothing's, uh, uh, it, it, you know, it, the company's still doing well, right? So, so although uh, we'd love to go back to the office and there's stuff that you need the office for, you know, collaboration, innovation, uh, just, you know, training, you know, the culture you want to keep, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you can't just you, you just cannot do remotely. I think right. there is a portion of our work, maybe it's heads down, maybe it's a couple of days a week, or maybe it's a day a week or so that can be done from home uh, effectively and productively. And we wanna we wanna take advantage of that and give our employees that benefit as well if they wanna you know if they wanna use it. What about workstation sizes? Have you stayed with what you had pre-COVID, or you changed anything there? We haven't we haven't changed workstation sizes. Uh, no, not 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 at this point. Okay, so what I know you also you have all kinds of uses call centers. What's changed in the call center business? So call centers one of those is one of those um, users, I guess, or, or or occupants that at first it was thought like, oh no, they need to come into the office because of the technology. They're kind of stuck with you know. Uh, to their phones, those lines need to be um, uh, recorded, et cetera, et cetera. That is actually one of the teams or one of the users that were um, effectively uh, moved to, you know, to work from home. Our technology team developed a, you know, phone kit that they kind of mailed to 
uh, you know, thousands of you know, employees across the U.S. And they had been, a lot of those call reps that, you know, used to be in the office, they had been working uh, productively uh, from home and taking so your working. call if you want to open a mortgage or, your, you know, your collections or whatever the case right. is. It is working. I'm not saying it's ideal, but it definitely can happen. And some of that will, will stay, uh, you know, uh, post-COVID as well. So you think maybe it could affect, you know, the space requirement for call centers in the future because of a, a percentage of those people that weren't working from home could work from home in the future. I think, I think it may, again, it's not, it's not perfect. Uh, it's definitely going to be a, a contingency out there for, for it to be used, you know, at any point in time. There's stuff, again, that cannot happen remotely or it's you know not as effective right if you want right. to collaborate if you want to innovate if you want to you know meet and and and, and share that everybody's getting the same message etc cetera, etc cetera, you're going to have to uh you know you're going to need the office you're going to you know use the office maybe differently more for collaboration than right. heads down uh, you know work uh but uh but i think there will be there will be uh some impact on the square footage required so, so if you're looking to the future, the next year, the year after, I mean, and again, I'm, it's, I'm not holding you any of this, but like, so what do, you, what do you see in the future? I mean, one, my first question is, do you think you guys will be back fully staffing your office space a year from today? Hopefully, you know, I, I, I really hope so. I think, I think we're going to begin to come back hopefully in the, uh, in the early spring and then we'll be back to somewhat normal, maybe towards the end of next year. Uh, uh -huh. you know, that's, that's, you know, that's my personal you know opinion, but again, that will depend on, you know, the trajectory of the virus. Obviously vaccination will have a big, big impact on all of that. Um, but, uh, but I think, you know, we might be able to start coming back, <clears throat> again, depending on, 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 on everything, uh, towards maybe the late first quarter, second quarter, and then, you know, maybe towards the, uh, the, uh, the summer, we'll see, we'll see uh, you know, we'll see, uh, you know, more people in the office. So do you think two years from today, you'll have the same amount of office space across your portfolio, less or more? That's very tough to say. I think the right we, answer is more, but you got to tell me <laughs> the what the right think. answer is more. Yeah. I am not sure we're going to have more. Honestly, uh, it will obviously depend also on the on the market, right? Some markets will grow, some markets will shrink, uh, and and uh, as they always do. Um, I don't, you know, I I don't I don't know. I think I think more maybe in some markets. Uh, overall, we're probably going to have, you know, same or less. Okay, so you, you gave me a great segue, markets. So everybody says everybody's moving out of New York, Chicago, San Francisco, and coming to Texas and Colorado and Florida and and Nashville and Atlanta, etc. I mean, um, is it is it the environment that's driving them? Is it cost savings? Why are I mean, one, do you agree that people are going to come to markets like Texas? I mean, do you mm -hmm. see more corporate <clears throat> users coming here? But what's the driver? Is it cost or is it environment or both? So I think, I think it used to be cost, a little bit of environment. I think, you know, this, this, this is not new, right? Uh, our Plano campus is an example of that. Uh, what, you know, at some point used to be a consolidation of other locations within DFW. Uh, at some point also started, you know, uh, receiving uh, employees and, and roles from from other markets like the New York Metro, uh, right, because of high cost, because of, you know, just, just uh, uh, you know, welcoming environment and, 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 and things of the like. I think uh, COVID may uh, act as a catalyst uh, for, for some of that or accelerator, as, as was said at the beginning of the call, for that to uh, you know, you know, keep happening. Uh, we are uh, receiving, uh, you know, roles from, from, you know, New York Metro. I was, you know, personally, I was working in, in Midtown Manhattan a year and a half ago, and I, and I relocated over to, uh, to Plano. So um, it's definitely happening. Uh, it will continue. Uh, I think maybe COVID will, will accelerate some of that. You know, 
denser markets such as New York, such as you know London or, or, or Chicago, they uh, they are more expensive. There's also the public transportation, the commute. You know some concerns around that as you know for employees as they come back into the office, do they want to get in on you know on a subway? Uh, do they want to get on a crowded train? Uh, right. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe you know some some you know may have some some uh, hesitation you know uh, at that. So so I think that uh, that has been going on, and that will continue. Uh, hopefully, and will continue to uh, be at the benefit, you know, at the beneficiaries of, of that in markets such as Dallas. Okay, two questions. When 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 you relocate, when you took a bunch of people from a dense market, like just to Dallas or Plano, what percentage of people that were in New York came here, and what percentage was new hires in the market? And since you now live in Plano, have you bought cowboy boots yet? Because you're not a Texan. <laughs> So you own cowboy boots. I I have not bought the cowboy boots okay, yet, but, I'm, but I'm really thinking about yeah 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 that and the hat. I do have I do have a very nice belt. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let me uh, let me answer the first question. It's 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 a smaller percentage uh, that is really relocation. It's it's seat wow. you know talent and some management, and then it's and then it's new hires. Uh, Dallas is a great market. Uh, you know, it, you know, the, the, the talents here, uh, definitely. And it's, and it's, uh, you know, uh, really not, re not necessary to, 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 uh, to, uh, transfer and to relocate as, as many people. So, so are you saying, I mean, it's a very small percentage then it's mostly new hires here. It would be mostly, yes, mostly new hires, I would say. Mm-hmm. You, okay, you do I, need, you do have some, some relocation, but again, just, just to see talent, maybe some, you know, some management and leadership. But other than that, uh, the market does have the talent in, you know, here. So, so, uh, so there is, there is a lot of hiring yeah. going on. Yes. Yes. Okay. So um, I've, I've fired on uh, all my questions. I like to open it up to the, to the group for questions. You know, okay, I'm going to give you one right. off of what Lindsay said. Are you changing your common areas or your, your amenity space? Are you making any changes like that uh, that's different post-COVID than pre-COVID? So the, the mix between kind of desk space and, or office space and amenity space has been, you know, moving uh, towards more amenities for, you know, for many, many years now, just as Lindsay, say, uh, Lindsay said, uh, we are keeping it very flexible, maybe where we had a lot of kind of fixed furniture and the like, we're now, uh, we're now unfixing that and we're keeping it flexible within our, within our uh, amenity spaces. Um, we're trying to keep them as open as possible, not no clutter there, just, just to make it easy you know, to, to clean and disinfect as far as, you know, as, as far as, uh, you know, operations go, but also to make it uh, clean and open for, you know, to allow our employees to, to be comfortable in those spaces, not a lot of crevices, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, you know, make them bright and, you know, and, and, uh, and as areas we can. Awesome. Hey, Bill, I have a question. Uh, okay. Sorry, this is right. um, so when companies look at Dallas, we're hearing all the positive things about all the things in Dallas. What are the negatives we need to work on to overcome to make this market attractive? Because when we see companies going to Austin and other cities or Atlanta or Denver, we always look in the mirror and say, okay, wh why there and not us? Um, what can we improve on here? Hmm. Well, that's a great question. I haven't thought about it that way, uh, you know, because really, for, at, least, at least for our company, Dallas has been one of those markets that have been most benefited by, you know, through the, through the migration. So this is where we've actually built, you know, our, 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 our campus, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think, you know, maybe technology is, you know, just, just the availability of, of technology uh, talent. Uh, usually it used to be the West Coast, but that's getting too pricey, right? And then we got, you know, Austin, uh, you know, Arizona, Phoenix is, 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 is also vying for that, you know, technology, uh, you know, hub uh, uh, naming. Uh, but there is, there is, and we got 
thousands of technologists here in, in, in Dallas, uh, there is great talent on that, on that regard as well. Um, honestly, you know, I've been here for almost 18 months. Um, I don't think Dallas is anything uh, or doesn't have anything that, you know, other markets uh, in the U.S. Uh, kind of competing markets, uh, uh, you know, uh, have. Uh, I, don't, I don't see Dallas lacking in any of those major components, honestly. Any other questions? Thank you, Gaston. I really appreciate it, Welcome. you know, for you to come on. It's just, uh, we're all taking no give here for you, because, uh, but it, we really appreciate it, because it's, you know, we're all in a real estate business, and we all kind of want to know how our life is changing, but it's so important to hear from someone like yourself, who's our, you know, our customer, or similar to our customer base, and we want to know, you know, because we want to be best in class. We all want to do our, our jobs better. So, I definitely appreciate your time and um, appreciate you being on. And uh, folks, this is my last CEO call. We're going to continue these calls, but I roll off as chair this year. I'm passing the baton to Mr. Ablon. So quality and content will go way up. Probably not as organized as Lynn and I have had them in the past, but other than that, this has been a complete pleasure. Uh, we plan to keep going with this as long as it's relevant and we get quality speakers like we had today. So I thank you for your time. That's all for today. I'd like to thank Lindsay Wilson of Corgan and Gaston Cerrito of JPMorgan Chase for their presentations. I'd also like to thank all the other executives who've joined these meetings for their curiosity and their insights throughout the year. Please make sure you subscribe to the show to get all new episodes right to your mobile device and follow Trek on social media. Until next time, I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for listening.